Hello, and thank you for tuning in to our Bethesda Missionary Baptist Church of Davis Street podcast for our Sunday School Lesson 6, dated October the 11th in the year of our Lord, 2020. And we've been in Unit 2, which is covering inclusive love. And today's lesson text will be overcoming self-interest. Our devotional reading is coming from Isaiah, the first chapter, the 12th through the 17th verses. Our background scripture is coming from Luke 6, chapter 27 through the 36 verses. Our printed passage will be coming from Luke 6, chapter the 27th through the 36 verses. Our key verse today will be, I say unto you which hear, love your enemy, do good to them which hate you, Bless them that curse you, and pray for them which despitefully use you. Luke 6, chapter 27th and the 28th verses. But before we get started, we're going to stop for a word of prayer. Eternal God, our Father, who are omniscient, I'm not present, and omnipotent, we come today, O kind Heavenly Father, only because you have allowed us. We come knowing that you are the way, the truth, and the life. We come leaning and dependent on your adulterated gospel word. We come, O kind Heavenly Father, just to hear a word from you, O kind Heavenly Father. For just use me as a vessel to be used for your glory, that a fool might not err and a blind man might find a way. I pray today, O kind Heavenly Father, for the Bethesda Missionary Baptist Church family in a special way, O kind Father. Continue to let us down into your storehouse of wisdom and knowledge that we might see your face in your kingdom. In Jesus' name I pray these things. Amen. Again, this is the Bethesda Missionary Baptist Church of Davis Street podcast where our pastor is Pastor Edward Holly, and we're located at 8801 David Street on the east side of Detroit. And today our lesson aim is going to as a result of experience in this lesson, you should be able to do these things. One is to explore Jesus' teaching about what is meant to love our enemies. The next is to reflect on times when you felt hate towards others and was hated by others. And the number third, three thing is uh, engage in ways to love your enemy. And we realize that could be a challenge within itself. And with that being said, I'm going to get into our biblical context. Our biblical context is, reads as follows. The excerpt printed passage for this lesson include parallel contents found in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount in Matthews 5 through 7, following an encounter with the scribes and the Pharisees about the Sabbaths, and that's Luke 6, 1 through 11. And Jesus went to the mountainous area to pray and then chose 12 of his disciples to be apostles, special messengers, or his personally chosen representatives. The section, this, the selection of the 12 was followed by his instruction to a vast multitude of his disciples and other people from all over Judah and Jerusalem in the coastal region of Tyre and Sidon. Some hold that his teaching is in Luke's version of the Sermon on the Mount recorded in Matthews, while others believe it includes themes of his teachings at other locations. Whichever view is taken, 
Jesus was emphasizing the need for application of his teaching. The heart of his sermon is the need for demonstration of love amongst his followers. The love Jesus was speaking of is agape, loving even the unlovely by the choice of the lover to be a loving person despite the merits of the persons to be loved. And we realize that can be very, very difficult. Our lesson is going to be broken down into two outlines today. First being refuse to retaliate. And that's going to cover Luke 6 chapter to 27 to 31st verses. The second being immolate the father. And that's going to cover Luke 6 chapter in the 32nd through the 36th verses. And as we study today's lesson, we should take these lessons and apply them to our daily walks of life. Because God is no short of his word. And the more we adhere to the word of God, the better servants will be of him who we're reading about, studying about, and trying to emulate. Uh, this, this text, on the surface, it might, it, it, it might be seen passive, allowing enemies to take advantage of us and to bruise us. And the uh, understanding of this context emulates the creative resistance of injustice for which they actually advocate. The teaching in this text is challenges us as disciples to actively love and wisely help others. Now, Jesus' alternative to conventional wisdom taught a new attitude towards possessions and towards those in need, as well as a fresh response towards hostile and oppressive behavior. Uh, now, if we look at, at Luke, you know, we have to understand each of the Gospels represent this, uh, they present the story of Jesus in a different way. And much of their riches is lost if we only try to harmonize them into one consistent and cop. Each Gospel contains a different structure, it develops different themes, and it portrays the person of Jesus in its own unique way. We find that Mark presents Jesus as a, a tragic figure, figure often misunderstood and abandoned, whereas Matthew presents Jesus as a, a new Moses who fulfilled the scripture. Now, when it comes to Luke, he presents Jesus as a compassionate friend to outcasts worthy of our love and attention. And that goes on to say we selectively love people and we want to have our cliques and we want to have our own little inner circles and we sometimes ostracize the Jesus, the people Jesus say we should pay uh, special attention to. We should try to love the unlovable and, and go through the challenges that we're faced with just trying to be uh, a light in the dark world. The fact that Luke can summarize for us as Gentiles, what Jesus originally delivered to the Jewish audience shows how timeless and important the evangelists believe this ethic to be for the Christian community. The conceptual parallel to Matthew showed that what Jesus taught must still be taken seriously by us today. The theme of this sermon is called to exceptionally love in the light of the offering of God's gracious blessing. So, your love is to be rewarded. Jesus speaks definitively about what he desires of his followers, and he especially as they relate to those outside the community, uh, 
which also include those that oppress them. So even though we, a lot of times we say we should only give care and need to those of the household of faith, but it clearly shows that Jesus is concerned about all people. And if we're going to be a light in a dark world, we can't be selective about how we choose to love each other and individuals, even those that are not of the household of faith. Jesus here is addressing three specific group of people. Number one, the apostles. Then there's a large group of his disciples. Then there's a great number of people. These people gathered here to hear him for a couple, two or three different reasons. First, to listen to Jesus' teaching and to be healed by him. But the healing involved both sickness and exorcism. Because as we looked at the pretext, he said, you know, woe to this person and woe to that person. And he was able to clean, uh, uh, he, he did the healing of the man's hand prior to this in the pre pretext. And he, he did things on the Sabbath and the, the, the Pharisees, the Sadducees and the scribes was just trying to find fault in them. And the power that proceeded for Jesus indicated that the authority in which he worked, his teaching and his passionate service combined to touch the hearts of the people in a meaningful way, see, Jesus' message of God's kindness is supported by his actions. See, we just can't talk to talk. We got to walk to walk. The sermon is divided into three parts. One is the prophetic blessing and the woes. And that was in the pretext. If we read the pretext, which covered uh, chapter 6, 20 through the 26 verses. In, 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 in our own text today, the exposition about exceptional love, mercy, and hesitation to judge. And if we look at the post-text, it remarks about righteousness, fruit, and wise building. So as we take these lessons, we have to take them and try to apply it to our daily walks of life. God's ways are not like our ways. We, uh, how often we hear it said that the number one law of nature is self-preservation. We taught early as humans that we have an instinctive desire to survive, or when that survival is threatened, we tend to think of self first. At all costs, we are taught to do what we need to do to look out for ourselves first and then look out after the needs of others. But Jesus teaches us the exact opposite. We are, according to Jesus, to look out for the well-being of others first as a way of life. And this thinking runs against the grain of all what society teaches us to value. We go out, one goes at all alone in the sea by herself or herself without any assistance from others, highly valued in American life. In fact, it's a part of American myth that putting oneself first and succeeding without the aid of assistance of other is a treasure to be highly valued. Whether we own up to it or not, we admire individuals who strike out on their own and look out for themselves and eventually come to great accomplishments in life. Today's society, we are not taught to deny ourselves. We are taught to indulge ourselves without feeling guilty about or not caring for the rest of the world. Self-made individuals seem to need no help from others and often no, offer no help to others. But Jesus here admonishes us to overcome self-interest and think often of the 
welfare and the well-being of others. He called us to put ourselves first, but to discriminate, but not to put ourselves first, but to uh, demonstrate a concern for others in every area, area, every area of our lives. Now, Luke emphasized emphasizes on on one loving his or her enemy. It seemed more clearly in this section we're about to get into. This continued stress on the command to love one enemy is also seen in the this account. Jesus, the early church, and all the evangelists emphasized that the command to love lies at the heart of Jesus' ethical training and teaching. Luke, however, goes out of his way to stress this. The believer is to love outcast sinners and Samaritans. Only in Luke do we read that at his crucifixion, Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And that's Luke 23, 34. And if we parallel that in Acts 7, 59 and 60, we'll find Stephen here. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord, do not hold their sins against them. Luke readers, just as Jesus' disciples, are to love their neighbors regardless of whether they are friends or enemies. One feels positively towards his or her enemy and liking them is indeed impossible at times. Luke uh, helps us to understand that we can love our enemies by doing willing good towards them, by doing good in return for evil, by blessing instead of cursing, and by praying for them. Often, even the ability to, for one to will good for his or her enemy may seem impossible. But Luke believes that the same spirit that empowered Jesus Christ, as we looked at Luke 4 and 14, dwells in us as believers, and we can empower them to choose love for enemies. Jesus is not interested in giving his disciple a new system of morals, but he's interested in transferring us, transforming us, our lives, so that we may live out a higher standard to moral that emulates God dealing with the world. If God would have dealt with us according to how we deal with others, then where would we be? One love for enemies and actively seeking to do good for them is at the heart of his sermon. Such teaching on the part of Jesus may seem naive, but it is opposite, has proven track records of producing only chaos and perpetuating hostility and evil. How often have we tried to retaliate and, and, and then retaliation come back against us? Tick for tack. You, you do this to me, I do that to you, and it just get blown out of proportion. We see within the black community, we see so much violence and killing, and most of it is stemmed out of vengeance or retaliation for one thing or another. So with that being said, we're going to get into our, our lesson text, and we're going to get into our first outline. Our first outline is going to cover Luke the sixth chapter, 27th, 31st verses, and it's entitled Refuse to, 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 to Retaliate. And it reads as follows. But I say unto you which hear, love your enemy, do good to them which hate you, 
Bless them that curse you and pray for them which despitefully use you. And to him that smite thee on one cheek, offer also the other. And him that taketh away thy cloak, forbid not to take thy coat also. Give to every man that asketh of thee, and him that taketh away thy goods, ask them not again. And as ye would that men should do to you, do ye also to them likewise. So refuse to retaliate, refuse to retaliate. And that says a mouthful, because retaliation is a form of getting even in the normal rather than the ex exception. See, uh, we, we tend to want to retaliate on people when they do things to us. But see, Jesus is asking his followers to expect to give freely and sacrifice and use discernment when they are mistreated and be ready to continuously give out of love. The love of our enemies proposed by Jesus is really radical. It, it seems to be the opposite is true. We go, we go against the human nature and human tendency to place self-protection and self-interest first. See, we, we, we always, we are, we are people of need and our needs, it becomes about us, what you can do for me, what my needs are. And, you know, we don't care how it affect others. And the Bible is written for believers. So he's talking to his disciples. He's talking to the Christian community. And if we have that type of attitude, how can we draw others to Christ who light a candle and places it under the table? So we should be ready to let our light shine so that others can see God's goodness and want to follow that light. It's like being locked in a dark tunnel. And, and, and if you, you, you trapped in a dark tunnel, you look for a source of light. And then if that ray of light is a guiding path to you to get out of that darkness. So we as Christians have to be that ray of light to transform people out of the darkness and bring them into the marvelous light. Uh, we realize that Jesus taught that Christian love must be not selective or um, uh, emotionally irrational. Followers of Jesus are to love all people, regardless of how unlovable or how hostile they may be. We are admonished to live peacefully with all people in as much as possible. Now, several words are used in the Greek language for love. Euro mean a sexual love. Filio mean friendship love. But the word used here is agape, which is love that must be willed and chosen by the person doing the loving. It is a love identity, sacrifice, and rational goodwill. Jesus is not talking about affection when he used this word. Rather, he's talking about an act of the will. It is an act of conscience effort on the Christian part in which he or she loves the person in a way that is best for that person. See, we have a tendency to treat people the way they treat you. But Jesus is clearly trying to get us to treat people the way we want to be treated. He, uh, we look at it when he say, if you, if, I'm sorry, he look at it when, when he says, uh, 
blessed that curse you and pray for them that despitefully you do. And if they smite ye on the cheek, offer also the other and him to take away their cloak, forbid not to take thy coat away and give to every man that asks of thee and him to take away any of the goods and despite uh, take away thy goods, ask them not again. So Jesus is trying to take us to a place that is hard for us to go because we're, we're pretty selfish individuals. It, 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 it's important to note that the Christian attitude is not to seek revenge, but rather to say with heartfelt con conviction, I'm ready to take another blow if I need to. It means that the Christian response to attempt to be humiliated is active and not retaliation. Sometimes we got to turn the other cheek. And it's important that we know, however, that this verse don't preclude that. we taking non-retaliatory actions that would prevent further abuse. You've got to be clear that Jesus is not asking anyone to submit to regular beatings or verbal abuse without trying to make them stop. But we as Christians should show more discernment and we should show more patience and more non-aggressive action. The point is not so much being passive when being robbed as it is to being compassionate to another need. If someone needs to steal a car or steal a coat or you just say, then perhaps that person also needs your shirt. That goes on to say that he probably needed more than you needed. God has blessed you with these things. If someone thinks they'll break into your home or they're breaking break into your car, evidently they're at some type of disadvantage. And it's apparent that they need it more than you need it. Not to say you want to be anybody's uh, punching bag or you want to be anybody's uh, source of income. But we as Christians, we have to realize the thing you 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 put there to bless others. God funnel his blessings to you because he know he can trust his blessings through you. So it gives us what you have to anyone who asks for it and, and when things are taken away from you, don't try to even get them back. If so many people was reluctant about giving their possessions away where they'd be if people were trying to take them or being robbed for them, that they lost their life behind it. And it's nothing worth losing your life over. So God has blessed you with these things. If he blessed you with it then, he can bless you with them again. So I truly, our, our needs shouldn't be more so possessions and physical as it is spiritual. The faithful who follow Jesus do not need to retaliate or hold a grudge or hang on to every item they own. They are to give freely and, 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 and to forgive freely. Freely you feel, freely you will receive. So don't don't let Jesus fight your battles for you. Sometimes we put ourselves in situations where we regret. It's best to say, walk away and say, here they come, then there they go. You know, uh, sometimes we put ourselves in positions that compromise our, our well-being. And in a position like that, if I'm caught where somebody has uh, intent to do me harm because of something they need from me, then so be it. I have to let them have those things and walk away from the situation 
because I'll live to fight another day. Uh, so as we look at the last verse, as, and as ye would that men should do to you, do ye also to them likewise, which is the golden rule. The so-called golden rule works with the principle of reciprocation. Jesus is challenging our conventional wisdom about reciprocation that governs most relationships in his day. We are not to do to others as they do to us, but we we want we would want them to do to us, do as to people as we want them to do to us, not as they do unto you. So the the term reciprocating to is a guide to proactively goodness, free of calculation concerning our past treatment of others. We are not to treat people as they treat us, but we are to treat them as we would like to be treated, regardless of how they treat us. So I know it's a challenge and I know it's not easy, but we have to realize that we are to emulate Christ in a dark world. Therefore, he might be glorified and then we might be protected in this, this walk. Think of the best thing you could do for the worst person and go ahead and do that. Think of what you would like, really like someone to do for you and do that for him or her. Think of the person to whom you are tempted to be nasty and lavish praise on them instead. Think of the people who have wronged you in some way and then go out of your way to help them have a brighter day. See, we are supposed to be polar opposites. We are a light in a dark world. And that's the only way we win souls for Christ. If we ask to be as they are, then what good, what benefit is that to Christ or to us? We are peculiar people. And if we're not willing to act peculiar, we should not wear that badge of Christians because being a Christian is being Christ-like. Uh, so we have to get out of the mindset by the renewing of our mind and by trusting in our Lord and Savior and adhering to his word or applying it to our daily walks of life, then we can be better servants of him that has blessed us, that has kept us, and who has sent us because we are the church. We are God's representatives in this world. We are the spokesperson. So if we're going to do as they do, what good is it? And that leads us into the next outline, emulate the father. And that's going to cover Luke 6 chapter 32nd and through the 36 verses. And uh, it reads as follows. For if ye love them which love you, what thanks have ye? For sinners also love those that love them. And if you do good to them which do good to you, what thanks have ye? For sinners also do the same. And if ye tend or if ye lend to them of whom ye hope to receive, what thanks have ye? For sinners also lend to sinners to receive as much again. But love ye your enemy and do good and lend, hoping for nothing again, and your reward shall be great, and ye shall be the children of the highest. For he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. Be ye therefore merciful, as your father is also merciful. So as we look at Luke 
uh, 6th chapter, 32nd through the 36th verses, and it is entitled, Emulate the Father. And how do we emulate the Father? See, we cannot be retaliatory or eye for an eye. Christian must love, must go beyond the kind of love sinners have for one another. See, believers must love even their enemies. And here sinners are defined as those who operate on the basis of quick pro quo, which means you scratch my back and I scratch yours. The problem here is with this kind of reciprocation is relationships is that we are always acting out of some ulterior motives and always expecting something in return. And we as Christians are so much like that. I mean, that's why we have our cliques. That's why we have our inner circles. We only run with people who we feel that can have the same value system that we have and we they can give when we give and they can do things that we can do. Well, and we look down our long spiritual nose on those that cannot reciprocate what we do for them. And it's the command for one to love his or her enemy is, uh, is uh, retentive because it is the basis of every other command in this section and it's, it's what distinguishes the disciples from the sinners. How can we be a light into a dark world if we act exactly as they act? Sinners return enemy for enemy. Uh, disciples of Christ are to return love for their enemies. So we can't be tit for tat. We have to do things expecting nothing in return a change is a loan into a gift that's making it an act of grace because that's what God did for us. It was an act of grace. He did, he loved us even when we were enemies against him. And he, out of his love for us, he sent into his world, this world, his only begotten son to die for us. So giving to others and treating them graciously is praiseworthy behavior that imitates God, and we will receive reward for it. In return, God will bless you. He would, you become his children. You become children of the Most High. Love of enemy does not lead ultimately to suffering and misery, but it leads to great reward. And that reward consists of being children of the Most High with the great inheritance that follows. See, this old world is not our home. We, 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 we reaching for higher height. Disciples are proper, properly children of God because they are acting as God does. God, kindness, and mercies extend to ungrateful and wicked people, including his disciples. So we who claim to be followers of Christ should copy God's mercy, mercy rather than limit love as humans do. See, we are quick, so so quick to judge other people. We're so quick to take credit for what God has done for us. And we look down on folk that is not in the same, uh, uh, same pay scale as us or in the same upper uh, echelon as us. And But we have to be grateful for what God has blessed us with and help by doing that. You have to give without expecting things in return. Therefore, we're storing up our treasures in heaven. Oftentimes, we, 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 we feel that he who 
die with the most toys win this. But the race is not given to the swift. It's the one to endure to the end. Living out his commandments bring with him the great promise of great reward. God does not, God love does not operate like the world. His love is available to both, to both the unthankful and the evil. If we did not, then we would not be, be able, there'd be no hope for sinners, including us, because we all have sinned and fell short of the glory of God. He follows, he commands that his followers emulate our father and live out what we profess to and believe and claim to be. So if we claim to be Christians, we need to be more Christ-like. The community of faith must take seriously the command to make disciples because believers must present a lifestyle to their enemies that is more like God in their character. You can't just live any old kind of way and act on any old kind of way and, uh, and, and, and feel you can draw others for, for uh, souls for Christ, because you might be the only Bible people see. You might be the only word of God people see in their lives. The world will not be one for him unless his character is visible in and through the lives of his children. So you have to live a life according to what you profess, what you believe. You have to have godly characters within you. There you for you can draw others to Christ because in doing so we are the Christians we are the spokespersons of God we are representatives of God goodness we are representatives of God grace and as we look beyond the text and look into the pretext Luke 6 and 38 says give and it shall be given unto you good measure pressed down shaking together, running over, shall men give unto your bosom. For with the same measure that ye smite withal, it shall be measured to you again. So in saying that, and in closing, we must give like our lives depended on it. That because it truly does. You're storing up treasures in eternity. Closing thought, what does God want most of his, for most of his children? Jesus taught that what is required is the visible demonstration of righteousness that exceeds the world's and is motivated by unconditional self-sacrificing love for all, including our enemies. God is the supreme model of this exceptional expectation of loving one enemy. He gave his son as a sacrifice for our sins while we were yet his enemy. We cannot afford to do less. We want to be honest and transparent. We are all selfish and subject to seeking revenge when we are treated badly by our enemies. Jesus' expectation of loving our enemies and refusing to retaliate is easily quoted by challenges to practice. The key is to develop an intimate and obedient relationship with him. Closing prayer. Dear God, we acknowledge our tendency to focus on our own self-interest and desire your, and desire your forgiveness. 
Help us through the power of your Holy Spirit. Eternal God, give us the wisdom to love those who find it difficult to love us. Help us to treat people as we would want to be treated even when they desire that desire does not come to fruitation. Grant unto us a spirit of generosity to all humankind with the expectation of nothing in return. In Jesus' name I pray. Thank you for listening in to our podcast for our lesson uh, six of uh, unit two, inclusive love, overcoming self-interest. God bless you. God love you. God keep you.